Welcome to The Craft. I'm your host, Mae Globus. This podcast is a collection of intimate conversations on artistry, mastery, and life with talented, passionately curious creatives and entrepreneurs. Most are dear friends, some are those I've admired from afar. I hope you enjoy these conversations, this exploration of the humanity that connects all of us as much as I do having them. Thank you for being here and for listening. Scott Sumi has a quiet energy and demeanor about him, something calming you feel right from the moment you meet the artist. The start of his artist journey came from a deep interest in skateboard and graffiti art culture, which eventually led him to Emily Carr University, where he studied fine arts before taking off to travel for inspiration outside of what he knew. Today, he's done commission work for the city of Vancouver, a project with the NBA, Nike, Lululemon, and more. In this conversation, we explore his creative process, how he's built community among other artists, what he's learned most about himself during this last year, what he would tell his younger self, and more. Please enjoy this episode with the introspective, very thoughtful Scott Sumi. Scott, welcome to The Craft. Thanks for having me. Yes, yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm very happy to have you here. Um, and I can't wait for this conversation. Great. Let's get started. Yeah. yeah excited to be here. Yes. Uh, I was thinking about how we met. And we met through our mutual friend, Courtney Chu, who's also going to be an uh, upcoming podcast guest. And I met you um, when your studio had a pop-up way back in the day in 2018. You had just gotten yeah. your studio. And that's where I, I met you. And I remember thinking, I really like this guy's energy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, yes. I think, um, yes, we did meet then. Yes. Um, Courtney had helped organize a uh, studio, um, sort of like housewarming and holiday party for us. And um, mm -hmm. yeah, we kind of brought our networks together. And uh, yeah, it was, it was great. I was probably feeling very happy at that moment because we had just gone through an extensive uh, reno between my two other studio partners. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, that was sort of the celebration of the new space. So yes, I, I was probably that. feeling pretty high and yeah. happy. So, <laughs> And I remember you were quite hands-on in the renovation as well, right? So yeah, yeah. we did most of the work ourselves, mm -hmm. um, learned a lot. Um, yeah, made some mistakes, but uh, all in all, that's... Uh, yeah, one of my greatest memories or uh, projects that I've worked on. It was mm. the most like kind of fulfilling, you know, when you get those challenges. Yeah, uh, yeah, for yeah. sure. And it's still home, right? Your studio is still there. And yep, yeah, we're still you there. Haven't, you haven't moved locations yet. No, not yet. Yeah. We're hoping to be there for at least a, a little while long longer. Time. Yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah. And so, were you always an artist, even as a child? Um, I think I was. I don't think I was always an artist or knew that that's what I was going to do, but I feel like my family had like inclinations early on that I was a little bit of a like goofy, fun kind of character type. Um, um, so early on in my childhood, I was like put into a lot of sports. So my parents got me into, um, you know, soccer and softball I was like on all the elementary school teams and stuff like that so I played sports growing up um but uh my dad you know he uh works in the print industry mm -hmm. here in Vancouver so he you know I just remember like going to his work on like take your kids to work day and stuff and um 
you know, just being around graphic design studios and um, a lot of just graphic design in general. Mm-hmm. Um, also, my mom was a baker when I was growing up, too. She had also lots of other jobs, but she baked and they opened up a bakery together. Okay. My parents. Yeah. Cool. So um, it was on like West 4th way back in the day. Yeah. Uh, what did she bake? Did she have like a signature pastry or a cookie? Um, she baked, um, yeah, I, she did a lot of like French baking, so pastries and stuff. Mm -hmm. That was kind of like the, I guess, like the theme of the bakery. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of, yeah, just like French pastries and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, so I think I just remember like, um, my dad like designing the logo for the bakery and stuff. It was called Sweet Sensations. Mm. And uh, yeah, did all the work through um, his print house and stuff like that. So, um, but yes, this is kind of a long winded answer, but I feel like I didn't always know I was an artist, but I was kind of, there was sort of these like subtle cues throughout my life that kind of led me to where I am, so. Right, yeah. yeah. So you're, you're kind of s- surrounded by creativity in some way, shape, or form, like with your dad designing logos and your mom, you know, and baking and creating those pastries. Yeah. It's a creation aspect, too. Totally, yeah. And I think there was, yeah, I, I, I feel like there was a turning point when I got into skateboarding, for sure. That was, like, where my, like, upbringing of, like, being in sports and stuff and, you know, obviously observing my parents through, their different jobs and stuff, um, getting to apply, um, you know, the athleticism of sport through the creativity of mm. the culture in skateboarding. Mm-hmm, so that's mm-hmm. kind of how that, uh, I felt the artistic, um, energy just like kind of come out of me just through like looking at the board graphics like seeing more of that stuff and just getting introduced to subculture and yeah. all that. That's yeah, where I really took a liking to art. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, you became really interested in graffiti subculture, no? Yeah. So that was like the next sort of phase after skateboarding was like getting into graffiti and looking at magazines, uh, you know, uh the source. Do you remember the source magazine? Was it a hip hop magazine? Yeah, it was like yes, a hip hop magazine, yes. but I used to like cut out the clippings on the back because they had this like graffiti section. It's all like New York um graffiti stuff. And that just I was like so blown away by the um uh it just begged me to like want to learn more. And I think when I was in high school, I went to uh Eric Hamber, which is and I grew up in East Van. So um, for people that don't know Vancouver, that's sort of across town. So I would commute an hour every day by bus to get to high school. And that was sort of the only thing that was in the changing landscape of Vancouver is like you would see things looking out the window. And um, yeah, that combined with the magazines, I was just like very curious Mm. about this whole other culture that was kind of like happening around me that didn't really you never saw it ha- take place it right was just, there was a mystery about it yes mm. so that kind of lured me in mm. for sure mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's really cool and you went to actually I just want to take it back to what you were saying you know traveling um on buses to school and you'd see you know graffiti here and there like 
in your opinion, what is the graffiti scene like in in this city? And have you seen it grow over the over the years? Is there, um, yeah? How would you describe the scene here? Yeah. So, um, growing up in the early two thousands, there was definitely like, I mean, maybe I have this like golden era of Vancouver graffiti in my mind in terms of like the type of people that were painting around that time and also the 90s being very much um, the early onset of graffiti and it was sort of like blowing up at that point. Um, It just had a real edge about it. Um, But yeah, I think there's just been overall in Vancouver, there's been a larger acceptance, not of like vandalism, but about... um, the periphery cultures around graffiti and how it crosses over to fine art and how certain artists um, have roots in graffiti and have gone into fine art or other practices similar to myself. And I feel like there's maybe a little bit more of an acknowledgement in terms of that is a starting place for a lot of people Yeah, and um, what they choose to Uh, do beyond that um, is kind of up to them. Mm -hmm. So for me, I'm just like forever grateful. It was such a great stepping stone for me to kind of learn certain disciplines with color and art and and painting large scale, Mm. et cetera. But also like with Vancouver Mural Fest, they they now have like a graffiti programming to get some of that, some of those, that community Mm -hmm. involved. it's incredible. Like um, for those who, who don't know about the the mural fest, uh, most of it takes place in Mount Pleasant and and East Van, and it's been a couple of years of the city commissioning artists to paint on buildings and walls, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. So they've made it they've made it uh, accessible and enjoyable for so many people. Totally, yeah. And I think there's sort of a, a wider acceptance of all art forms uh, nowadays. So I've seen the scene change from sort of like graffiti is bad and evil to like maybe more understanding of like distinguishing between what is like pure outright uh, vandalism and what is, you know, what might have creative potential for someone, you know, because mm. it's a lot of young, uh, young people that get into graffiti and often people that are, um, don't have access to you know, great studios and all that yeah, stuff. So materials. Yeah. So, so it's, it, a, yeah, it's cool that Miro Festival, you know, and other people are providing platform for those right. individuals. Right. And yeah. I guess the world kind of becomes your canvas when you're doing this kind of art yeah. as well, which yeah. I think is really incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so in, th- in 2006, you went to Emily Carr and you had an intention of studying design, but ended up in general fine arts mm-hmm. with an interest in, in painting uh, what yeah. was that shift for you? Um, yeah, if I look, were to look back on school, it um, it's interesting because I just feel like I was very young at the time. So I took like a one-year leave of absence from high school to go to Emily Carr. And I feel like at that stage of my life, I was very much just trying to make ends meet. You're just trying to get by in mm-hmm. school, uh, whether it's like, paying for tuition or like 
I just remember I had to sell my car. Like I had a car in high school, which I saved up for. My parents helped me get, I was like, um, I loved it, but I had to sell it to get into my second year at Emily Carr. Couldn't pay for, you know, insurance, gas, et cetera, et cetera. The parking pass on Gravel Island was like really expensive too. Um, But yeah, I just think like, it just felt very much like I was just trying to keep up. And um, with the graphic program, I I've ended up going into fine arts because of certain timelines and stuff. I couldn't submit my portfolio in time for to get into the graphic pro- program, which is what I originally wanted to do. And then I ended up getting into general fine arts study where I did like s- screen printing and uh, painting. And I remember um, really feeling super challenged by the painting assignments and really struggling with some of that stuff. And my head was sort of just very much into the, this graffiti subculture at the time. And Mm -hmm. there was a lot of artists in the States that were making what seemed like careers for themselves doing graffiti. And I, I felt also that, you know, me wanting to, to learn more about how to do that, the practicality of, of that wasn't being supported in the school at the time. So I decided to just go on my own and travel and paint and maybe meet some of these people uh, and see if I could, uh, you know, carve my own path. Um, But yeah, what's interesting about that is I like circled back to fine art uh, because a lot of those challenging lessons that I had in school really stuck with me later on. And when I was kind of feeling a little bit burnt out about traveling and painting graffiti, um, I, um, yeah, came back around to some of those, those, um, those lessons sort of echoed in my head mm. later on in life. Right, right. Yeah. And then in 2011, you went to Miami and there was an outdoor murals festival that was happening there in, and you can correct me, it's the Wynwood District yes. during art, uh, Basel, Miami. Yep. And, uh, yeah, tell me about that experience and, um, I think that you also met Montana Colors out there. And mm-hmm. so it seems like this was like sort of the next step or the next evolution of where you were at with your career. Yeah, totally. There, um, um, yeah, there was a very interesting um, movement happening in Miami around that time where uh, people from all over the world, graffiti writers, muralists, and um, uh, contemporary artists would travel there to paint murals in this one district that was very uh if you haven't been to the Wynwood, it's a very industrial uh type neighborhood it's actually very similar to uh mount pleasant in vancouver where the mural festival takes place now Mm. lots of big buildings flat walls uh warehouses that kind of thing and so uh, when I first heard about it, I was like, I have to go to this because I just want, you know, to see what this is all about. Maybe try and paint some walls myself and just like get my name out there and maybe network with some of these artists that I really respect and admire. Um, so yeah, that's what I went, uh, I went for. And I was, I was lucky enough to get this wall through a friend, started painting it, and uh, a few people 
would pass by and like chat with me. One of them happened to be a rep for Montana Colors, which makes artist grade spray paint uh, manufactured in Barcelona. Um, they're sort of like a global brand and standard when it comes to spray paint. And so, yeah, we kind of hit it off, had a great conversation, and uh, I decided to maybe start bringing some of the paint into Vancouver um, through him. Mm. And you're still doing that now, right? Providing that to other artists and creating kind of a community, right? Like keeping that connection between artists. Yeah, so it evolved over the years. Uh, initially, I wanted to just like wholesale the spray paint. Um, and this was all happening out of my like really crappy artist studio at the time on East Hastings. <laughs> it's like this little shelf on the in the corner of the room, and uh, it just like slowly grew from there. And when we found our new studio where we met, uh, the space is segmented uh, where the front end is sort of a storefront. So mm-hmm. we built this brand called Layout Art Supply, which carries the Montana Colors brand, but also we've expanded to curate other. Um, quality art supplies to bring to the community. And um, yeah, we're just kind of, you know, it's a really fun side project for me. And we're um, just looking around, finding um, materials that we we either test in the studio or materials that we think are really quality Mm. and just stuff we like, cool books, stationery, um, soft goods, just anything utility that we think is like relevant to the artist's life because that's the lifestyle that we try to live Mm -hmm. and um in terms of curation if we think it's cool or we think it's useful we'll uh chances are we'll try and bring it into the shop oh that's so cool i didn't know that you guys went to that that level i should come by and and check it out yeah come for a visit yeah i love that Mm -hmm. yeah so you work with a lot of um and at any point if any of this is um kind of going off piste, you can you can let me know. So you work with a lot of color and uh, hard-edged shapes, and I think I read somewhere distorting spatial familiarity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also read that uh, somewhere that your pared-down compositions engender a slowness of looking and a moment of pause. And, um, and that the world, as the world becomes more developed, we begin to find satisfaction of wanting less. I'd love to explore more about all of this. And yes. um, yeah, can you tell me more about this? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, my work overall now, I think um, at, 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 at the root of what I'd like to explore is like color, but also like curiosity and experimentation. So a lot of my work is like rooted um, in that concept. So I'm often trying to excite myself with my own work Mm. Um, and usually that is set on previous precedents of what I've painted so I always I can I want to continue to grow and see something new and exciting but also I feel like um, you know my work is some of the art in art history that I really like is sort of the post-war modernism which you know invokes sort of a very um, maybe not entirely minimalistic if I were to describe it that way, but there is sort of a sense of rest with the work. And I think in the way that it's not representational, that it doesn't fully spell out what 
the picture is mm. necessarily. And I think my work is, yeah, in, in general, like very abstract. Uh, and I think that's because I'm interested in sort of almost like my own subconscious and how my own personal stories manifest in my work that I'm not fully in control of. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Right. And you as an individual, do you, do you find yourself as someone who does live minimally and simply and you like things um, to be that way? I try to. Yeah, mm. I think so. I think I'm, um, um, you know, not on a Marie Kondo level, but, uh, you know, I'm trying to do the work. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, you know, I'm a very, like, systems person as well, and I like to create um, systems for working. So, like, mm. um, one of my favorite things to do is to, like, um, figure out new efficiencies for working um, mm. alongside with making the work itself. So whether that's outfitting the studio in a certain way where I can get more out of my time or more out of my materials or um, things of that nature, I'm, I'm very much like a systems person in that sense. Oh, um, that's so interesting. Yeah, so yeah. that's like part of my thinking is like problem solving those things. Um and um, you actually took the question right out of my mouth. I was going to ask if okay. you had a specific creative um, process as you're like approaching a piece or a series, or if you're more or less, if you're less structured and more like in inspired flow. But mm -hmm. it sounds like you're more systematic. I think with certain things, um, there's there's other aspects of myself that definitely are more intuitive. Um, so if we were to, you know, planning for an exhibition is a good example. So I just finished a new series that um, just shipped to Winnipeg, I think last Friday. Um, and sometimes when I go to plan an exhibition, um, I can be very like system based, like you described. So planning out the series in advance, the concept, the theme, and then create the work within that. But other times I might just want to paint, like dive in head first mm. and start making the work and then reflect on it afterwards and say, okay, this is sort of what it's about. Mm. Um, so yeah, I can kind of go both ways, but the most recent show, uh, the title of the exhibition is called Building Buildings mm. and it's all inspired by, you know, some of it architecture, but some of it just reflecting on city life and what it means to create dwellings or nests or mm. homes even. And I think a lot of that is because of where we've been this past year with right. the pandemic and yes. us being sort of confined to our homes mm -hmm. and maybe a walk around the block. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So some of those ideas and, you know, while I was making the work, I totally was completely unaware that this is what was happening. Also, my partner and I are moving. So we're like, you know, we've been over the last month, like going to tons of new listings and like all we've been doing is looking at buildings. And I think, a, yeah, a couple of weeks ago, I came up with the title and then we're reflecting back on the work and we're like, 
oh my God, I've just been like <laughs> yeah. looking at houses and buildings this whole time. And it almost occurred like subconsciously in that mm. sense that I the work was kind of manifesting itself and I was unaware of the theme taking place, but yes. it was just like unfolding. Yeah, <laughs> art me. imitating life. Yeah. 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 So. so what is to to go to the back to this idea of home and dwelling? Yeah. What what does that mean to you? Um what does home mean to you? I think like taking solace in where you are, you know, and not feeling like I think with the restriction of travel, it's like, you know, you know, before I, I, I think I was like finding myself looking, when's the next trip? Where can we go next? Where can mm. we explore? And, um, or like, I got to get out of here. I got to get out of work. I got to escape like the stuff I'm seeing every day. But, um, yeah, I think it's been in that case, it's been actually kind of hard as to like where do you find your inspiration right mm -hmm. usually if I go on a, like a really great trip or vacation you come back and you feel like so charged up you're like I'm gonna make a bunch of stuff yeah, <laughs> based yeah. on this and like you have new stories to kind of attach to the work but yeah. in this case it's like I feel like I'm like squeezing a lemon that's just <laughs> like <laughs> so dry <laughs> but it's been good because I've like really learned a lot about myself and learn to you know appreciate what I have and take solace and and you know um so were you finding yeah. inspiration within you rather than external yeah yeah I think um I think inspiration can it's you know you ask an artist where they get their inspiration from and it's like really hard to give an answer because there's it's like it's almost anything and everything um but usually like my go-to is like my previous precedent. So mm. I don't actually have to like look very far all the time for inspiration. A lot of it is like um, I'm trying to evolve the visual language set by previous paintings that I've done. So that's like, that's where the inspiration really is for me is mm. like, how can I do something better? Or how can I like, rethink something or how can I like reference something that I did maybe 10 years ago and like resample it today oh wow yeah so that's kind of at the core that's like where my inspiration really comes from mm. but it's great to have new experiences and you know attach like sometimes I attach like my personal stories to some of the titles of my work mm. uh, as a way of like time marking them yeah like a yeah. chapter yeah right yeah. Oh, I think that's so interesting that you iterate on what you've done previously. It it, it shows a real evolution of your work. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah, and um, it uh, yeah builds upon my just like my my story and um, uh, and keeps me curious to like yeah. push further and and um, change the work and continue to tinker with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If we were going to um, consider like this last year, I mean, it is for everyone, like a, a, ch a chapter in, in your life. How, how have you been um, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually? Um, there's been ups and downs for sure. Um, I feel, um, yeah, there's been, there's been certain challenges, like certain fears with like the unknown and, um, 
being able to see family, not being able to see family, how that takes place. Um, it was a big challenge with the shop that I run just because when in March, when it first happened, we were really, we had to close for two weeks and really thinking with my other partners, like how we were going to navigate that and keep the business running and also keeping, because my studio is in the back half, you know, protecting that and making sure I was still able to like go in and make stuff. Um, so I definitely felt at odds with both businesses because of all the unknowns and kind of the fear early on in like last March. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that was kind of like hard, but also spiritually, I feel like I'm a lot stronger from it now. Mm -hmm. I feel like I have a greater connection with my immediate community. The people that I work with has been, um, we were sort of forced to communicate more during mm -hmm. all of this. And that has been really positive in terms of our dynamic now and our relationship is just better. So, right. Yeah. I think that probably all of this, there's kind of everything is on the table. Like, how, how are you feeling? Like, I'm going through this. How are you? Like, maybe even checking in on each other. Yeah, more. definitely. Yeah. Um, which is like, it's kind of, now it seems kind of insane that we didn't do that before, you know? It yeah. just seems like uh, we've fostered a much better connection and a much more personal one that, um, you know, sort of, yeah, ties that business friend relationship and creates a, a culture around the work that we do that's much more like holistic and mm. uh yeah working just feels like you're hanging out with your your with your pals so right. <laughs> that's yeah. good yeah your chosen family mm -hmm. what's the what's the biggest thing that you learned about yourself that you know now looking 10 11 months later yeah looking at yourself and being like wow didn't know i had that in me or or, or wow that's a realization that i've made um you know, something I'd like to work on? Um, gee, I don't know. Um, I think it might just be my, I've learned to be a better communicator. Mm. So not to just like hold everything um, to myself, which is like something I'm, you know, I'm a very introverted, quiet person. So usually, um, you know, I have a habit of like not speaking up or not saying what's on my mind and also being vulnerable with that, um, experience and sharing that with your close friends mm -hmm. and partners. So I feel like, um, it's been a great practice for me to kind of learn to be more okay with with sharing some of that with with um, my close ones and being more communicative I think that's been yeah. probably something that I yeah didn't think I could ever do but um, learning to do it more and um, it feels really good so yeah. Yeah. and it gets easier too I I totally resonate with that because uh, it's something that I've had to work on too throughout the years and it's it's so surprising and beautiful once you do that. Um, 
how people respond mm-hmm. and it's and it's often with a lot of love and support and you know and you kind of wonder why didn't i do this sooner <laughs> totally because we like ruminate to mm-hmm. no end and mm-hmm. i feel like that's been um that becomes easier when you can get them out in the open so yeah 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 that's that's huge that's yeah huge. well it's a start I'm, it's a start, I'm, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a, a huge start. <laughs> let's, yeah. say, let's say that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know that feeling well. Yeah. Um, so you've done commission work for the city of Vancouver and I think the city of Edmonton too, right? That's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, Broad Arts Foundation. You did a project with the NBA, Nike, Lululemon, more. Um, how do you know when you want to work on a particular project? Like, what's your kind of internal compass of? Yeah, I I want to work on that. Um, uh, a lot of sleuthing. (laughs) 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 Um, yeah, I don't know. I think if it, uh, aligns with my, with my goals, I'll want to do it. If it's a, if it's a new challenge, I'll, I'll definitely, uh, be open to it. But I'm, I'm often like, I, uh, a yes man when it comes to most of those Mm. things, uh, especially like earlier on when I was like, um, just getting into freelance art and design. Um, I said a lot of yes to a lot of stuff that yeah. is probably pretty cringy now, but, um, you know, it, um, yeah, I think if it just, as long as it aligns with where I'm trying to go, um, and I will always like entertain an idea before I decide I don't want to do it. Mm. So I like to like put myself in a place where I can fully visualize me doing the project start to finish, um, no matter who's asking, and decide then. So, yeah. are you a person yeah. that enjoys challenge? Uh, yes, I do enjoy a a challenge. If it, as long as it yeah, aligns with like what I want to do, yes, yes, then yeah. right. Mm. So, yeah, but the bigger the project, the bigger the challenge. Um, and you're gonna yeah. go for it. Yeah, that usually excites <laughs> me. So. And what what's in your opinion what's the hardest thing about being an artist? Um I think the industry itself is very interesting like deciphering past the veneer of the art world or mm. the kind of what people might think the gold standard is or the way you should do certain things. I think that was like the biggest challenge is like for me is like also the, the kind of what we hear about in art history and what we hear about artists careers. It's, it's um, those are big shoes to fill. Mm. So um, reckoning with that and just being okay with, um, making something right that's that's a big challenge like getting over yourself and your own expectations Mm. and just being just allowing yourself to be in the studio and make something I think that can be a challenge Um, there's not a lot of like standards in the art world too so like figuring out what works for you and what is presenting your work to the world in in a holistic way and the way you want it to be shared, mm-hmm. navigating that versus 
what you might see um, the standard set for the art world and fe feeling like you need to like hit that or yeah, it, there's just a, it's just such a, the art world is such a vast, um, there's, there's no rule book to it. So navigating that, I guess, is, is, is a challenge. But um, I think the biggest one is just being okay with um, where you're at in the moment mm -hmm. and just doing the work. Right, you know? yeah. right. I think that's an, such an um, uh, interesting answer coming from you because something that I'm and picking up is that you're, you seem to be someone who just, you like to carve your own path. You know, like, you know, Emily Carr wasn't working for you, so you just decided, oh, you know, I'm just going to do this on my own. Is that true of you, do you think? Be to, march to your own drum? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Yeah, I, um, uh, yeah, I definitely feel like that's um, who I am. It's like someone that's uh, goes on my own gut feeling. Mm -hmm. And, um, um, you know, I have expectations of myself too, of like um, where I want to go and, you know, more serious straight line things that I want to fit into. But um, yeah, I kind of want to do it in my own way, mm -hmm. you know, so. Yeah, I definitely pick, picking that up from you for sure, which is <laughs> which is cool. I, I love people who march to their own drum. Yeah. Um, do you think as an artist that one needs to leave this city first to make a name and then come back? Or are you kind of seeing like a shift in that notion? Like I, I know that you've been exhibited in other cities, New York, San Fran, Miami, Cape Town and South Africa. Mm. Um, do you think that's still true that artists here from Vancouver need to go elsewhere and then come back? I don't think that's necessary. Mm -hmm. You know, I think, I think you, um, can make great work anywhere. Mm. Uh, you can tell great stories anywhere, you know? Mm. And I think there is a bit of a, um, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't trade my experience because of, um, you know, seeing more different cultures and different scenes, art scenes, really shaped who I am. So I can't like, trade it but I feel like good art can happen anytime anywhere by any person mm. so um, yeah most art happens in like really crappy basements and like you know studios with leaks in them and you know my first studio was not nice and yeah so I feel like um, yeah you don't have to go anywhere that's the beauty of it it's like you just need some tools. It's very accessible thing. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Um, I read somewhere more of like a fun question um, that you went to Tokyo and Joshua Tree in 2015, 2016, and both of those places happened to be two of my favorite inspired places. What did yes. you think of them? Oh, Joshua Tree was so amazing. Right? Yeah. I um. Yeah, I just. I, it was amazing because we went, uh, my partner and I, like, our tradition was, like, every New Year's we would go somewhere new and different. Um, so I think Joshua Tree was, 
don't know if you have that in your notes, like what year it was. I can't remember. Yeah, it, it was 2015, 2016, one of those years. Yeah. Right. So I think Joshua Tree was 2015 and then uh, 2016 we went to Tokyo. But uh, Joshua Tree, we like thought it was going to be warm because it was like a desert. Right. The <laughs> like, nights get real cold. <laughs> yeah. So we brought like, we planned to uh, do New Year's Eve in Las Vegas. And mm. then we would drive through the Mojave Desert to Joshua Tree, uh, which is what we did. And we would camp in Joshua Tree for the uh, rest of the week. And then we would drive, drive back to Las Vegas and fly out. Yeah. And yeah, we got to Joshua Tree with our like, summer tent and the first night was just so brutal like we froze our butts off and then the next night we like bought a bottle of whiskey to like to keep to, warm yeah and a big part of it was actually like how can we stay up later because we had a fire going mm. and the later you stay up the shorter the nights are yes. <laughs> uh, yeah so we bought like two blankets from like a thrift store uh in joshua tree and like <laughs> the whiskey and like put on literally everything we had <laughs> on and, ju and just like huddled in the tent and like survived the night <laughs> but uh yeah so that's like a fun funny memory about how yeah uh but the rest of joshua tree was just the landscape was just so like yeah it's, it's really magical did you did you guys camp in the national park we did, yeah. Those boulders are something else. Oh yeah. Yeah, I um, when I went, it was around Halloween, and I actually went to the national park. Drove, it was a solo trip, and I, uh, I drove there on Halloween night, and I watched the sunset go down, and it was just. Oh. I have never seen something. I mean, I've seen some majestic sunsets, but this one was really really beautiful and mm -hmm. just um uh, just made me it just reminded me how awe-inspiring nature is definitely yes yeah. yeah and just the landscape there's something like very surreal and and uh strange about it mm -hmm. almost strange that, it's yes. a great word for yeah it. so I, I feel like it it just like i don't know and unlock something like primitive yes. maybe in your brain that's yeah. like i'm not where this feels like a dream or like this is very foreign yeah. and um um yeah it's it's a very a very yeah i'd highly recommend it for any yes. artist if they're planning a trip camping in joshua tree is great just there's make some sure desert magic and make sure you're warm yeah <laughs> and actually just a, a cute a, a kind of like a yeah when i was watching the sunset go down uh i remember I saw, like, I was sitting up on a boulder, and down below, there was this desert bunny that came out of nowhere and sat on a rock um, almost below me. And it, the way that it was facing, it was watching me because, you know, they, mm -hmm. they've got their eyes on the on their sides of their heads. So, yeah. and it it sat there for about twenty minutes with me as the sunset went down. And as I got up to leave, just before I stood up, for some reason, I decided to say goodbye, bunny. And as soon as I said that, the bunny hopped away. Oh, my gosh. I was like, this is desert magic. Totally. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So fond memories oh of that Oh, my place. God. That's, that's such, such a great moment. It was um, a great moment. Yeah. 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 Only in Joshua Tree. Only in Joshua Tree. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I just, just have two more questions for you. The second to last is what would what would Scott now say to young Scott back then about life or anything, anything that you would impart on him? Ooh, that is a, this can go so many ways. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know if I would. Because uh, how would it, it would, would it change the future? <laughs> like, what <do> we, <laughs> I love how you thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, gee, I don't know. I think, um, um, yeah, just in all in all, I'm like pretty content with how things develop. There are certain little things that I might, might, you know, my mind goes to like certain things to like protect me from some of the challenges that I've gone through, Mm. but also like, I don't know, those, those challenges make you who you are. So I don't know if, you know, would telling younger me about those, would that like just shelter me from, Mm. from, you know, maybe an experience that was a little bit less um, rewarding in, in how you learn uh, through your mistakes in life. Yeah. Um, You know, I like to say you either win or you learn in life. Mm. So, um, yeah, I don't know if I would tell him anything. I'd be like, oh. <laughs> just, just, just keep going. Yeah, just yeah. keep going. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, my final question. Sure. With, with what you do, what is it that you want to leave behind in the world? Ooh, I think, I think, um, Yeah, I just hope, you know, I leave a, f- a fingerprint on my community, like the people around me. Mm. Uh, I hope they see sort of a uh, compassion towards arts, and I hope that maybe inspires them to be curious and explore their own creativity in some some way. Mm. You know, I think that's, um, yeah, what I would want to leave behind also maybe a few paintings <laughs> uh, I yeah. love it thank you so much for your time this was a great conversation you're very welcome thanks for having me yes of course anytime if you enjoyed that last conversation be sure to check out more episodes of The Craft on Spotify and guest photo galleries on the website at wearethecraft.com thanks again for listening <laughs>